the uh, New Testament. I want to encourage you, we will be here this coming Thursday. It'll be our first Thursday here in the new facility. I want to encourage you to come out. We will be continuing through 1 Samuel. We would love for you to be here. Uh, also today, as was announced earlier, right after service, we will be having our agape feast just right around the corner here. So we're hoping that you all can stay. Even if you haven't planned on staying, please do. It's a great time for us to get to know each other better. Amen? Amen? I know we're in a new building. Don't leave the amens, amens back to the community center. Can I get amen? All right. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse 8 where we left off last week. But let's open with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We ask now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Again, not the words of man, but the word of God would go forth with power. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray. And all God's people said... Amen. So let me catch you up quickly. Um, Ephesians, as we know, Ephesus was a very wicked city. Ephesus was mainly known for being very wealthy and very caught up in sexual immorality. Uh, they had the, the greatest temple. It was four times the size of the Pantheon, which was one of the greatest uh, you know, fortresses of those days, temples of those days. And it took 220 years for it to be completed. And it was the center of Ephesian worship. And the worship that they had there was really uh, giving in to lust. Artemis or Diana, the gods that were there, they were the gods of, of sexual immorality. They were the gods of sex and, and physical pleasure. And so what would happen is they would go there and worship. And as they left the temple, there would be temple prostitutes. So as we look at the book of Ephesians, know that they were, you know, we might think California is bad and it is. Can I get an amen to that? But you know what? It's no worse than Ephesus was. And the commands that they're being given in Ephesus are commands that we need to take heed here in California. Can I get an amen? So, last week, as in the first half of Ephesians, there's something really important that we not lose sight of. What motivates you? What is it that motivates you? See, some people are motivated to do good so God will love them. If that's the reason you're motivated, you got the wrong motivation. Can I get an amen to that? We don't do good so God will love us. We do good because God loves us. Amen. We do good because he's transformed us from the inside out. And too often, I think what happens is that, you know, the, the false teachers and the cults of the, of the day, it's all about what you can do for God. It's do, do, do. And as we know with Christianity, it's done. It's finished. And so us living holy lives shouldn't be this burden that we have because we're trying to be acceptable before God. Us living holy lives should be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit living inside of us and our love for the Lord and our desire to walk in the center of his will. Can I get an amen to that? It's a big difference between trying to be good enough so God will love you. You'll never be any better in God's eyes than you are right now. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you more than he already does. Amen? And so as we're looking at this and these exhortations, so the first three chapters, as we know, is here's what we believe. You know, our riches in Christ, blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, goes on and on. And then in chapter two, it said, you know, we were all sinners and we were all lost, but God, but God, but God came and out of his love for us, redeemed us back to him. So we see in the first three chapters what God has done for us. And now we see how we should respond in light of who we are in Christ. Amen. And so as we pick up this week, last week we looked in the first part of Ephesians the first seven verses, imitating our Father. And we're all imitating somebody. We all have somebody that we look up to, that we try to pattern our life after. The whole world does it. 
sadly, a lot of times it's musicians or it's, it's uh, athletes or it's, it could be your parents, which would be much better than either of the other two. Amen. But the reality is we're all imitating somebody. And in imitating our father, what we saw so far is we're to walk in love. You know, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, Galatians 5.22. And we ought to be the most loving people on the planet because we have a depth of love that the world cannot have. See, the world cannot have agape. The world can only have phileo or eros love, and those are temporal loves. And what we have is an eternal love that doesn't originate with us, but originates with Almighty God. But not only did we talk about walking in love, but we talked about walking in unity and walking in purity, excuse me. Now, as Christians... We are called to be different. We're going to see that this morning as we get into the text. But we are to be radically different than the world. Amen? We shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. And we, but at the same time, we should be surprised when people who know God act like they don't know God. Amen? Hey, I was uh, with some family and, you know, some of you get in this environment and you go and you meet with people and they're Christians and they love the Lord, but some of their behavior is kind of shocking sometimes. And when you see Christians acting that way, do you think that draws people to the Lord or pushes them away from Him? And guys, our, our, the way that we live ought to have an impact on the world around us. And we saw him talking last week about being holy for he is holy. In 1 Peter it says this, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. He talked about fornication, which is any kind of physical intimacy outside of marriage. And we live in a world today that that is so foreign. You know, if you watch any movie, if you watch any entertainment, if you listen to any song just about, especially if it's not on Christian radio, so much of it is focused on just the the desire that I have. And by the way, I'm going to be real blunt. I'm sorry for some young people in here, but being aroused physically should only come from your spouse and nowhere else. Can I get an amen to that? Nothing you watch on a computer, nothing that happens at the beach, nothing that happens anywhere else. Guys, we're one man with one woman for a lifetime faithful to each other. Can I get an amen to that? And the exhortation here is that we need to be different than the world. And I get it because we live in the world. If we're not careful, we become like the world. If we hang out with the world, we're entertained by the world. If we allow all that stuff to come into our minds before you know it, we're not only being entertained by it, but we are participating in it. He talked about covetousness, greed and fraud and extortion. He talked about uncleanness, living an immoral life, evil thoughts and intentions. Uh, Talked about sins of the flesh, sins of the tongue. Again, that's an area that we all could do better. At least I know I can. Can I get an amen to that? You know, the Bible says that your tongue is like a small rudder that steers a great ship. I think most of our sin comes from this part of our body more than anywhere else. Amen. The things that we say. Foolish talking, coarse jesting. You know, born again, new creations in Christ. We're dear children. We should walk in love and walk in purity. Now, we're going to continue in verse 8. And if you have your outline, grab it. If you don't, there's some on the back table. First of all, we're to walk as children of light. I tell the message, come out of the darkness. And it comes right out of, come out of darkness. It comes right out of the first verse we're going to look at. Because see, before we knew Jesus, we were walking in darkness. Have you ever walked around in the dark? You got to be very careful and you usually end up hurt if you, stay, if you stay walking in the dark too long. Can I get an amen? I have stubbed my foot, knocked, fallen over way more times in the dark than I ever would even think about it in the light. Amen? 
And we were walking in darkness. We were spiritually blind. We didn't understand who God was and why he came and how we were to live. And when we walked in darkness, when we didn't know the Lord, and then we come to know the Lord, and now we're children of light. And now we walk in the light, and now we do understand, and now we do have wisdom, and now we do understand what this life is about, and who God is, and why he came, and how he died for us. And guys, when we're walking in light, we ought to walk with greater confidence than people walking in darkness. Can I get an amen? And we ought to walk a straighter line, and we ought to live different than those who are groping in the dark with no understanding of life, and no direction for their lives. So, we were once darkness, but now... We are light in the Lord. Not only do we walk as children of light, but then we are also to walk in wisdom. Our eyes are wide open. There needs to be a sense of urgency. You know, I love this. If we pray for it, please, I'm cautious to mention it, but I get a chance to share my faith all the time. But you know why? Because I pray, Lord, give me an opportunity, and I pray it every day. My wife was driving to, we, for the first time in 35 years, we had Thanksgiving in two different places because my mom is on hospice and my brother, my brother flew in from Hawaii. We wanted to go spend time with my mom, probably maybe her last Thanksgiving. I actually hope it is because heaven's better. Can I get an amen? And my wife went to, her, it was her stepdad's 90th birthday. Well, they, got a, they blew out a tire on the way down. They were stuck in the rain on the freeway and I wasn't there. So I know that's my fault, evidently. But the reality is that that I went yesterday and spent four hours. You do not want to go to the tire store the day after Good Friday on a Saturday to get new tires. It's just a bad time. So I sat in the waiting room for four hours. And guess what? I had three divine appointments. Because I got a chance to talk to three different people. A young man who was going on a job interview, and we just started talking. And then the next guy was somebody who he, he came in dripping wet in 40-degree weather because he's he's like Pastor Tim. He just got out of the ocean, and we talked about the Lord. And then the last guy was a guy that goes to Calvary Chapel Godspeak, and we talked about the Lord. And guys, we are light, and God, there needs to be a sense of urgency that we've got a vapor of time to serve the Lord. And when I lay down my head at night, my prayer is that today I was used for his kingdom and for his glory. Can I get an amen? And if we pray and ask for that, watch how God will give us that opportunity. We need to pursue God's will and not our own. It's not about us. Uh, Be not drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have a heart of worship and a heart of submission. Let's begin there in in Ephesians 5. We'll pick up in verse 8. So we saw walk in love, then walk in purity, and now come out of the darkness, live every day in light of eternity, walk as children of light. Look what it says there in verse 8. For you were once darkness. Some of you have never seen that before. Did you know you, it doesn't say you were in darkness. It says you were darkness. That doesn't really stroke my ego very much, and I'm not feeling very esteemed right now. Guess what? We were all desperate sinners in need of a Savior. Can I get an amen? You were once like those who practiced the fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness. We were sons of disobedience, spiritually blind, separated from God, void of truth. In the realm of darkness is presided over by the prince of darkness. Who's that? So we were followers of Satan. You follow your flesh or you follow the devil or you follow the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? And the reality is we were once darkness. We were once lost. And guys, when we come out of darkness into light, there ought to be a radical transformation. Amen? 
doesn't mean we're perfect, but our priorities change. Our passions change. And he's telling the Ephesian believers who are surrounded by the sexual immorality, surrounded by the wealth of this world, the things that can draw them away, and he's letting them know that's darkness, and you were once darkness. You were once lost. God, on the other hand, while Satan is uh, the prince of darkness, God is light. It says in 1 John, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all of our sin. We were once in darkness. We were once spiritually blind. We were once deaf to the voice of God. We were once lost, headed toward destruction. But here's the good news. We're no longer darkness, but now we do walk in the light. Can I get an amen? And now we have understanding, and now our life has meaning, and the meaning of life, it's one word. His name is Jesus, amen? And we, understand, and we have a relationship with the God who created us. And, and our life has direction. There's a calling upon our life. There's a, a gifting that God has given us. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We never walk alone anymore. And we never have to grasp and, stu- and stumble through the darkness because we keep our eyes on the source of all light, Almighty God, the creator of the universe. Notice, notice what it says there. You were once darkness, but now you are Light in the Lord. Guys, without the Lord, there is no light. Can I get an amen? There's no wisdom, there's no hope, there's no truth apart from the Lord. Our eyes have been opened to the truth by the grace of God. Having been enlightened to the truth, we now walk as children of light. Again, just as we were once dead, now we're alive in Christ. We're no longer dead, we're no longer walking in darkness. This is where I struggle. Some of you may disagree with me. Well, I gave my life to Jesus, but my life didn't change that much. I'm concerned that you never really gave your life to Jesus. Can I get an amen? If I'm a new creation in Christ, if I was once dead and now I'm alive, if I was once blind and now I see, that ought to be a radical transformation. The Holy Spirit now lives inside of you, comforting you and convicting you. Our priorities should change. Our passion should change. Everything about our life should change. Again, apart from the Lord. Let me read this to you out of 2 Corinthians. You can look this up later. I'm just going to read it quickly. Verses 16, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through the first verse of chapter 7. Do not be equally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial, Satan? And what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has temple of God with idols. For you are a temple of the living God, as God has said. I dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. As born-again Christians, we are not to follow the world, but we've been adopted into the family of Almighty God. We are now His children, and we are to imitate or mimic Him, as we saw last week. So who are you following? Is it the world? Is it the stock market? Is it your career? And again, those things 
as unto the Lord, but the one we follow above all else is the Lord. Amen? He's the priority of our life. He he should be the first thought when we wake up in the morning and the last thought when we go to bed at night. Every decision we make should go through the Holy Spirit filter who rules and reigns in our life. And guys, we walk in the light. We are children of light. And once darkness, once dead, once lost, once wandering aimlessly with no grasp of truth, eternity or what lies ahead, and now we have eternal perspective and we understand what life is really all about. And this should not make us uh, arrogant, it should make us humble. Amen? The fact that we know the truth doesn't make us better, it makes us blessed. We're not better... Hey, people walking in the dark, we're one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Amen? And as we're going to see, when you walk in the light and you step into a place filled with darkness, it's going to aggravate the darkness. Amen? Go into a dark room and flip on a halogen light and see how people respond. And as Christians, when we walk into a room, when we bring the light of the Lord in humility and brokenness, we should bring the light of Christ to a world that so desperately needs him. You've all seen this. Some of you probably had it happen at Thanksgiving. They swear and then they remember you're there and they apologize because you brought light into the room. Uh, they start drinking alcohol and they look to see, you know, and, they, and there's a, a thing about it where or, or they get ready for the meal and they look for someone to pray. And who do they all look at? You. Because you're the light in the room. Amen. And God has called us to be light. I was blessed to be light at America's Tired for four hours yesterday. You know, wherever we are, we're called to be the light there. Amen. We're called to represent the Lord. Look at verse 9. For the fruit of the Holy Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. In direct contrast to the unfaithful works of darkness that we talked about, fornication and, you know, and, and the use of our tongue and all the loot, all that stuff, that, those are the works of darkness. But the work of light is just the opposite. It's goodness and righteousness and truth. By your fruit they shall know you, the Bible says. It says in Romans 6, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end, and in the end everlasting life. In John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him will bring forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Guys, without him we can do no good thing. But in him we produce 30, 60, or 100 fold. As Christians, we ought to be living lives that produce eternal fruit. Amen? I think of nothing more tragic than a saved soul and a wasted life. God didn't save us so we could go hide in the dark until he comes back. He called us to be light. That's why I hope a lot of you stay here in California with me. I know a lot of you want to bail, and I don't blame you to some degree. And a lot of people are leaving California in droves, and if you leave, God bless you. But we need a light around here. Amen? This place is dark enough. We don't need to be taking lights away. You know what? It's interesting. Do you know that nothing grows in the dark except fungus? Can I get an amen? Mushrooms, right? What else grows in the dark? Nothing. But you know what? You need light for anything to grow. And you know what? As we walk in the light, we will grow spiritually. Amen? And, and the source of growth, the Holy Spirit with us, in us, and upon us is the source, source of our growth as believers. One who is walking as a child of light is indwelt by the Holy Spirit and will shine forth attributes of the Father, like Father, like Son. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, notice what he says there. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness is love in action. 
I'm not going to mention names because I'll embarrass people. We got a lot of loving people in this room. Can I get an amen to that? Just so loving, so kind, so gracious. And love isn't just saying I love you. It's showing you that I love you. That's the whole reason behind the helps ministry that we have here. We want to help you because we love you. Amen? And if, and if we can minister one to another, isn't that not how the body of Christ should function? And the word goodness there, it's love in action. It sympathizes with those in distress. It assists them. It's always ready to forgive those who have offended or injured them. It admonishes others in meekness and in gentleness. Uh, even though we speak straightforward to people, we love them enough to tell them the truth, but we always do it in love. And goodness is love in action. Righteousness is living in obedience to the law of God. The highest form of worship, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heathen in the fat of rams. See, guys, if we sing songs and then we go out and live like the devil, that's not really true worship. Can I get an amen to that? Guys, we should sing songs. You've heard me say it that a pastor friend of mine said, Christians don't tell lies, they just sing them. I surrender all, but not really. You know, Lord, I lift your name on high, but, you know, as soon as the football game's over. And we have this reality where we sing songs, but guys, we need to do more than sing worship songs. We need to worship him on how we live every day. To obey is better than sacrifice. And again, active obedience. That's what righteousness is. It's, it's a worship, of, it's serving God, and it's ministering to others. Notice the last thing he says there, along with goodness and righteousness, is truth. As opposed to lying, hypocrisy, and exaggeration that we saw in the beginning of the chapter. Those are things evident in someone who walks in darkness. They lie, they exaggerate, they'll tell you whatever they need to tell you to get what they want. They're self-centered. And we can all struggle with that. Can I get an amen? But as believers, we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Satan's the father of lies and Jesus is the truth. When you lie, you're being Satan-like. When you tell the truth, you're being Christ-like. May we be Christ-like, amen? Speaking the truth, again, Christ-like. The key point, again, goodness, righteousness, and truth are fruits of salvation, not the source of it. See, people say, well, I got to do all this stuff so God will love me. I'll come to church as soon as I can quit smoking. If you smoke, come to church. Amen? Whatever that thing is that you think is the bad thing, do you know that that's why Jesus came? He didn't come for for the righteous. He came for sinners. And he came to restore us and redeem us and transform us from the inside out. And too often we'll look at something that the world judges instead of focusing on our relationship with the Lord. Let me tell you something. Hang out with Jesus, fall in love with him, and you know what? Your behavior will change. Not the other way around. Let me change my behavior so I can be closer to God. Get closer to God and your behavior will change change look what it says there in verse 10 finding out what is acceptable to the word to the lord the word they're finding is proving testing or examining how do we find out what is acceptable to the lord how do we know what is acceptable to the lord how do we know god's will for our life how do we know when we're in the midst of something where we can't make a decision where do we find the answers the word of god here it is Amen? And how do we find out? We read the Bible. And here's the sad part. I have no study that says this, but if I had to guess, I would say most, most people who proclaim to be born again Christians rarely read their Bible. 
If you take all people, I go, I go to churches when I'm out and visit, and you walk in and nobody's got a Bible at church. If they don't have a Bible at church, they're not reading one at home. Can I get an amen to that? There's a reason I'm going to put scriptures up behind me because I want you to have a Bible in your lap. I want you to take a Bible home because, guys, if you won't open it here, you're not going to open it at home. But the Bible's telling us right here, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. How do we find out? We open up the Word of God. We let the Holy Spirit speak to us through the Word of God. Through the in-depth study of God's Word, His love letter to us. It's an instruction manual for life. What's the theme verse of this church? Faith comes by hearing and what? And hearing by the Word of God. Guys, how do we understand? It's in the Word of God. People say, oh, the Word of God is too hard to understand. Well, those are the same people that don't read it. Amen? Those same people that don't have the Holy Spirit to give them understanding. The Word of God is where we find the answers. And too many people that claim to be Christians today who are not really interested in what the Bible has to say. They don't read their Bibles. They don't see God's Word as the final authority and the source of direction. Instead, they're moved by their emotions, their fleshly desires, and popular culture or ungodly counsel. The Bible says to walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, and our emotions are real, but they lie to us. Can I get an amen? So Lord, help us. Paul's telling us in these verses that such a lifestyle is is contradictory to what's supposed to be true in the lives of Christians. We as Christians are new creations in Christ and everything in our lives now. Therefore, we we must be people who are trying to live in this new life that we have in Christ. People are always trying to learn what God's word says. You know, every time I read the word of God, I come away uh, encouraged, strengthened, and convicted. Can I get an amen to that? I'm, I'm encouraged by it, I'm strengthened by it, and I'm convicted by it. And praise God for conviction. Because conviction is what transforms our life. It says in Luke, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? In John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Pastor Dave, you always talk about grace, and now you're talking about obedience. Which is it? The answer is both. Because walking in grace, now we should obey God. Because you know what? Having been born again, we have the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to obey God. Amen? And it should be The passion of our life to obey again is better than sacrifice. Walking as children of light, thus showing what is acceptable to God. Now, how do we do that? Look what it says in verse 11. Here's some more answers. Ready? Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. What fellowship do light and darkness have? The answer is none. The room is either dark or it's light. There's nothing in between. Amen? Have you ever noticed how a lot of sin is done in the dark? My first sales job back in the mid-80s, I sold restaurant equipment, and a lot of times I'd have to call in restaurants early in the morning, and some of these restaurants would have a bar as a part of the restaurant, and I have a meeting at 7 a.m., and you walk by the bar, and it's all dark in there, and people are drinking whatever they're drinking at 7 a.m., and I, just once I wanted to go in and flip all the lights on. Because the reality is there's something about the darkness, right? You know, and, and, there's, and guys, when you flip on the light, the darkness scatters. Amen? And guys, we're called to be children. Now, we're not self-righteous. Oh, I'm so perfect. I'm going to come in and fix it. No, we come in recognizing who we are in Christ. And if we just live for him and we let the Holy Spirit live, work through us, being filled with the Holy Spirit pouring out of us, you know what that's going to do? That's going to illuminate a dark room, and it will illuminate a dark city. It will illuminate a dark world. Can I get an amen? And we live in a dark place. 
that needs the light of the Lord. Walking in darkness can have no fellowship with God. You cannot walk in both light and darkness. Choose today whom you will serve. It says in Matthew 5, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. As born-again Christians walking in the light, we are to shine brightly in our everyday conduct as a testimony to the transforming power of God's grace. See, the thing is, when people see us, they shouldn't say, we're great. They should say, boy, that God that got a hold of your life is great because I knew you before. Amen? Boy, have you changed. What in the world happened? It was all Jesus. Once I was blind, but now I see. It says there again, fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. What what does darkness do? It hides the light. It harms our testimony. It renders us ineffective. It destroys our intimacy with God. But notice what he says here, not to have fellowship, but rather expose them. While walking in our and having fellowship with the works of darkness extinguishes the light, so too walking as children of light exposes darkness. It says in John 3, everyone that does evil hates light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds be reproved. But he who does truth comes to the light that his deeds may be made manifest. Walking as children of light means to live openly before the eyes of God, hiding nothing. As you live a life led by the Spirit in obedience to God's Word, as you walk in purity, your life and your actions will expose the surrounding darkness. People find out you're a Christian, they start watching you. They start watching their language in front of you. They don't invite you to places where they know you probably don't want to go. You know, the office I worked in, they would go to Hooters and other places at lunch, and I didn't get invited once, not one time. Hey, Pastor Dave, no. Matter of fact, they don't even want to let me know they're going. They would sneak out. Oh, they snuck out. They didn't go anywhere good today, I can tell. But the reality is that, guys, we are to be uh, living lives that expose darkness. The work of the Spirit brings conviction to others. You live a life sold out for the Lord, it will result in the loss of most, if, if not all of your unsaved friends, as they'll either get saved or want nothing to do with you. And again, explains why unbelievers don't want the Bible in schools. By the way, when we had Bible in schools, there were zero mass shootings. Zero. Take the Ten Commandments out, thou shalt not kill. Well, that's infringing your beliefs on us. Maybe we've got to teach some teenagers, thou shalt not kill. Can I get an amen? They want to take the light out that exposes the darkness because you know what? When you're in the dark and they shine a halogen light, it's kind of painful. So you want to say, turn out the light. And we've turned out the light and then they mock us and say, don't say your prayers and thoughts for what happened. You know, that's not going to help us now. You're right. Let's put Jesus Christ back in every school and see how God changes it. Can I get an amen to that? And here it is. When we bring light into darkness, it changes everything. It's a reason that the world wants to remove prayer and Bible from schools, public nativity displays. It cracks me up. The baby in a manger is so offensive to people. It's amazing how they'll spend millions of dollars in court to get a cross taken down off a hillside that they drive by on the freeway. You know why? Because the cross of Christ is a stone of offense and it's a bright light shining into the darkness. Amen? And and they don't want to see it and they don't want to hear it. Crosses, Christmas, the Ten Commandments, again, attempting to 
to minimize the conviction, to alleviate it altogether. And as Christians, we are not only to have no fellowship with the works of darkness, but we are to expose them. Verse For it is shameful to even speak of these things which are done by them in secret. Not only should we not have fellowship with the works of darkness, but such ungodly behavior shouldn't even be a part of our thought life. The Bible tells us to be simple concerning evil. There are evil things in this world that I don't know about and I really don't want to. Can I get an amen to that? I don't need to know all the depravity. That's in. Now, I want to reach people. I want to pray for them. I want to share the truth. Uh, again, if it's something where we can help rescue children out of, you know, being used as uh, sexual trafficking and things, we want to stand up for that, amen? We want to try to help stop the killing of unborn babies. But there are certain things that are so depraved in this world that says that it shouldn't even occupy our thought life. It shouldn't be a part of who we are. We should not even speak of the things done in secret, under the cover of darkness, seemingly hidden from all potential judgment. But as we know, God's word tells us that our sin will surely find us out. Don't raise any hands, but some of you, some of us, all of us, at some point, you might have had a behavior in your life that you didn't want anybody else to know about. But I want to tell you something. Even if everybody, nobody else knew, God knew. And your sin will find you out. Can I get an amen to that? And here's the good news. If your sin has found you out and you repent, God will forgive you. Now the consequences may remain. And we need to pray for restoration in areas where we've caused harm around us. But our God is greater still. And I want you to know that there's no sin that you can commit where God will not forgive you. Can I get an amen? If you come with a broken heart before him, he is faithful and just to forgive us. He's a God of love and grace and mercy. David had committed adultery and then committed murder to cover up the adultery by having her husband put to death and then taking her as his wife. And you know what? He's still referred to as a man for God's own heart because he, in the end he repented and in the end he, but at the same time, he felt the consequences of his sin. See, we live in a world right now that thinks that there is never going to be any consequences for their behavior. And the reality is, I'd rather have them find out about it now than on judgment day. Amen? And the only way that's going to happen is we have to be bold enough to speak the truth and do it in love. Look what it says there in verse 13. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Even the things done in secret will be exposed. The pure and illuminating light of God's word exposes all the secrets of sin. You know, again, I'm not a super political guy, but there is no God in one party in our country right now. They want nothing to do with God. They mock God. They don't want anything to do it. And, and then they'll quote a Bible verse once in a blue moon, completely out of context, and making themselves realize they're walking in darkness because they can't read. Can I get an Amen. And we live in a world today, they're so dark, but you know what? They need Jesus. And we need to pray for our country in this next election, because we're going to choose between darkness and those who walk in the light. Can I get an amen? And our president is far from perfect, but praise God for him. We need to pray for him, amen? And we as a people need to recognize that, guys, if we don't vote, if we don't speak up, we're going to go further into darkness, amen? But not just at the polls, but we need to speak up at work. And in the grocery store and in our neighborhood. And don't be a self-righteous jerk, please. Just come to people in love. 
All three guys I talked to yesterday, I gave my phone number and prayed with before they left. And in each case, I know they were uncomfortable, but that's okay. Amen? Put your arm around them and go, bro, you had a job interview on Tuesday? Let me pray for you. Can I pray for you? Uh, uh. Dear Heavenly Father, <laughs> gave him my card, and I'm going to pray for him on Tuesday, and I pray he gets the job, young man, sitting next to me for an hour and a half in the gas. You know, guys, I believe in divine appointments, amen? And I believe that God is, you know, the, the city doesn't put all the streetlights on one corner. Amen? We'd have one bright corner and the rest, of it, they take them and spread them out all over the city. And you might wonder why I'm the only Christian in my neighborhood or I'm the only Christian in my office because God wanted a light there and he chose to use you. Amen? And when you walk in light, it exposes darkness. And guys, anything we do in darkness will be exposed. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men, again, that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I don't, like to, I don't quote a lot of other people, but Ironside tells the story of a Christian man who came to live with him and his family when Ironside's kids were growing up. He wrote that the man didn't go around being critical or condemning anyone for any wrong they had done. However, the man's mere presence affected his household. Soon things in Ironside's kids that they might previously have done, they quit doing because the man was around. And however, after a while, the kids even quit doing those things when the man wasn't around. See, the man's relationship with God was so close that his merely walking in the light of the Lord was used to bring conviction of sin to those around him. When you live for the Lord and you walk in the light, you have a love for the Lord, and you're unashamed of the gospel, and you walk in faithful obedience to the Lord, it brings conviction to those who don't know God. And hopefully, that, and many times, that conviction may lead to conversion. Can we get an Amen. We're called to be children of light to represent the Lord. Once walking in light, again, it exposes darkness. It illuminates sin wherever it goes. Verse 14. Therefore, when you see therefore, you ask what's it therefore. He says, therefore, in light of the fact that you were once darkness, in light of the fact that you are now light, in light of the fact that you have no fellowship with the works of the darkness, he says, therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. In light of the fact that light and darkness cannot coexist, light in the end will expose and judge the unfruitful works of darkness. All you who are still spiritually dead, here's what he says, wake up! Amen? Time to wake up. It's time to, and again, even for those of us who are believers, some of us are sleepwalking through our faith. We're so caught up, we, don't have, we can't be in fellowship because we got this. We got things in our life that, that consume us. And God is not the priority. He's not the passion of our lives. And I told you last week that I had someone tell me, I can't come to your church anymore because you, like, you act like Jesus is the only thing that matters. And I'll say, amen. Because if Jesus is the priority, I'm going to be a better husband. If Jesus is the priority, I'm going to be a better work, a better employee. If Jesus is the priority, I'm going to be a better father. If Jesus is the priority, I'm going to be a better man. Can I get an amen to that? And as we walk with him and we're unashamed of him, guys, he hung on a cross for us. How can we not stand up for him? And the way we do that is only in the power of the Holy Spirit. Arise from the dead, be alive together in Christ, a call for each of us who is born again. You know, what did Jesus say when he raised Lazarus from the dead? Remember that he got there and Mary and Martha were like, if you just gotten here sooner, he wouldn't be dead. Is God's timing always perfect? And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came hopping out in his grave clothes. Been dead four days. He stinketh, amen? 
but he was raised from the dead. And if Jesus had just said, come forth, every dead person on the planet would have got up. Because he has triumphed over sin and death. Amen? He is the creator of all things. And his Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Guys, wherever we go, we're taking the Lord with us. We're bringing him to work. When you show up at work on Monday, tomorrow, the Holy Spirit just showed up in the building. Guys, we got to go past just being satisfied with a saved soul and a wasted life. We need to live lives in such a way that we impact the world around us for the kingdom of God. Hey, there's going to be people that will come to church at Christmas time, if someone will invite them, we need to invite them. Amen? We're going to have some new, up-to-date, soon, right, Brett? Soon, uh, invitations. And I want you to grab some when they're there. We're going to run some ads in the Acorn starting this week. Just letting people know we've moved, we're here. We want to invite you to church. Amen? And we want to reach out to people and let them know that the answer to, to, to their trials of life isn't more money. It's not more pleasure. It's not a better address. It's not a promotion at work. The answer for what ails this world is Jesus and nothing else. He's the answer. So walk in light. Let's finish up by looking at walk in wisdom as we prepare for communion here in a few moments. So come out of the darkness. Walk as light. Now walk in wisdom. See then that you walk circumspectly. The word circumspect means it means looking around. You know, as you're walking through this life, it also means in Greek to walk exactly and accurately and diligently. See, because you have light, you can walk more accurately. The focus needs to be on eternal, not on the temporal, and we need to walk in wisdom. Our eyes are open. We have an eternal focus. There should be a sense of urgency in, in this walking in the center of God's will, and we need to walk looking around. I think here's what happens. Here's why we don't get used by God as much as we could be, and this is for all of us. We're walking like this, headed to where we're going with our thoughts on our mind and, and what we want to do, with no thought of all the divine appointments that are all around us. Does anybody recognize that besides me? Can I get an amen to that? And he says, when you walk, look around for opportunities to be used for the Lord. Look for, for, for people that are desperately in need of the Lord. Look for someone who needs a hug, needs a word of encouragement. We need to walk looking around, recognizing where we are, uh, how God might use us. Also, walking so that we don't fall into darkness, amen, but walk circumspectly, looking around. The word walk there speaks of your daily conduct. Having been enlightened with the truth of the gospel, we need to walk. And then it says, not as fools, but as wise. We're to walk in wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Those who don't know God have no wisdom. Why would we run to the world for answers when the one who has all the answers lives inside of us and has given us his word? Amen? So we walk in wisdom. And the word there is not as fools. You know, what a fool does is he cares only about now. That's what a fool does. He will spend every dime he has to satisfy now, not worrying about where he'll sleep tomorrow. He will participate in a sin that will satisfy his flesh now that will have heavy consequences tomorrow and that is foolish amen but that's what happens if we don't walk in the wisdom of the lord walking carelessly without guidance according to their own will and wisdom man often puts his faith in his own wisdom abilities and intellect proclaiming themselves to be wise the bible says they become as fools says there in verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
We only have so much time to serve God. Every, it seems like it's Christmas every two months for me now. The older I get, the faster it goes. And I got a vapor of time to be about it for the kingdom of God. I talked about that rope. You know, you take a rope, a 500 foot long rope, and you color red for one inch. This is my life, and there's eternity, right? And for me now, that one inch is probably about a quarter of an inch, amen? And this is the time I have left to impact that. And I want to spend what time I have. When this time has come and passed, only what I've done for Christ will last, amen? Part of that time is being a good employee. Part of that time is, again, doing the best we can in every part of our life to honor the Lord, doing things as unto the Lord. But you know what? We're to redeem the time. Because this is the one opportunity we have. The word redeeming time literally means buying up opportunity. In light of all that have come, you've come to know and understand in the knowledge of our Savior and the brevity of time, make the best of the time that you have. There should be a sense of urgency to reach the lost and to bring the Lord into everything that you do. How are you spending these precious moments uh, that you have before you go into eternity forever? If you had a month left to live, would you live it different? If you knew you had 30 days, quit your job, but we don't need to do that yet, right? Amen. Maybe you can. But if I had 30 days left to live, there's some folks I'd be flying all over the country to sit across from, look them in the eye and preach Jesus to. Can I get an amen to that? There's people that are heavy on my heart. And the reality is we let months and months and months and months and months and months go by. And again, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anybody, but let me just ask this. Don't raise your hand. How many people have you witnessed to in the last year? How many people you shared your faith with? How many people you've exhibited the kindness and the love and the grace and the mercy of God to? Guys, it should be a daily occurrence, not something we have to figure out if it happened in the last year. Amen? And I'm encouraging you because, guys, we have the answer. We have the antidote to the, to the cancer of sin. And his name is Jesus. And how can we keep it to ourselves? And guys, when we walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we can't help but tell other people about him. When you love somebody, you love to introduce them to people. Can I get an amen? I love to introduce my wife. I love to introduce my kids. And I love to introduce Jesus even more. And he's exhorting them not to be as fools, redeeming the time. The days are evil. The days are evil. Paul's day, idolatry, sexual immorality, the pursuit of wealth, the persecution of believers. Paul's sitting in prison as he writes this. And in the midst of evil, there's no better place to take a halogen light. These days are evil. And we use what time we have to reach those who are headed for an eternity separated from Almighty God. It's been said every believer this side of heaven should be burdened for every unbeliever this side of hell. Some guy wrote something about the gospel on my Facebook page, and a guy wrote in and said, how can it be good news if people are going to hell? You know why it's good news? Because you don't have to go to hell. Can I get an amen to that? We all deserve it, but God delivered us from it. And there's no better news than that, verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Real wisdom is to fear God, to understand and to know God's will, to know God's will. And again, how do we do that? How do we know God's will? By spending time in God's word. Amen? Again, it's faith that will cause us to get out of our comfort zone and step out. And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. One of my favorite Bible teachers, John Corson, people would come up to him and say, Pastor John, I wish I had the kind of faith you do. And he would say to them, if you read the Bible as much as I do, you will. You're, you're as close to God as you want to be. Amen? 
And if you're not as close to God as you used to be, who moved? It wasn't the Lord, it was us. Amen? We get distracted, we get drawn away. Guys, being used by the Lord is not a scary burden, it's a blessing. Amen? When you're close to the Lord, you don't, you know, you may have to step out in faith a little bit, but it just becomes a natural part of who you are. Again, some of you, you're so loving and so kind and so gracious and so generous, and you don't even know how generous you are. But I see it in your lives to the point where it brings me to tears sometimes, seeing how faithful you guys are and how loving and how kind you are. And you know what? I pray that we'd be that way, not just in this building, but everywhere we go. Can I get an amen? Now, I'm going to get in your kitchen a little bit as we close up here and get ready for communion. Maybe some of you need to repent after Thursday. Here's what it says. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why do people drink? To escape. Why do people drink? To get a buzz. Amen? Now, if you have a glass of wine with dinner with your spouse, that's between you and the Lord, and God knows your heart. So I'm not talking about that, okay? But here's the reality. You know if you're drinking to get a buzz or not. Can I get an amen to that? And I have guys go, I don't really drink to get a buzz. Then drink non-alcoholic beer. Well, I, we, I don't want to do that. <laughs> be not drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this. Alcohol is called spirits. And we don't need spirits. We need the spirit. Amen? And at my family function, there are three guys there who call themselves Christians who drank a lot of whiskey, and it got pretty brutal. And the next morning, I had to lovingly say, hey, guys, what are you doing? Guys, we don't need a buzz. We need Jesus. And, and it be not, which is dissipation, right? All of that, anything that we do, you know, when you drink, you dumb down the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? People call alcohol liquid courage. I call it liquid stupidity. Let's go out and drink a bunch of alcohol and make some great decisions. Said no one ever. Can I get an amen to that? Guys, as Christians, we don't need that. Amen? Now, again, I know some of you, you have a little, that's between you and the Lord. If you're convinced that it's okay the way that you're drinking, but you know the real motivation of your heart, why you pick up a beer or, or a mixed drink or what. By the way, alcohol is nasty anyway. It's just wrong. If you have to acquire a taste for it, why drink it? Can I get an Amen. But the reality is, again, and people are going, Pastor Dave, you're getting on my, I got a wine collection at home. You're just killing me right now. That's between you and the Lord. I'm not bagging on you. God knows your heart. Amen? God knows your heart. But if you're drinking to escape the day, that's the wrong reason to drink anything. Can I get an amen? We don't want to escape the day. We want to run to the Lord. Amen? Again, it's, it's, drunkenness is sin. It's foolish. It's unwise. And it's a carnal contrast to the Holy Spirit. And by the way, I've never seen anybody get drunk that didn't start drinking. It's impossible to get drunk if you don't drink one. Now, some people say, I come home after work, I drink a beer. Okay, she knew in the Lord. But again, it says it's dissipation. It's a waste of resources. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word be filled is be being filled. We need to constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? My dad used to say, you know, I pray every day to be filled with the Holy Spirit because I leak. Amen? And we need to be prayed daily. Lord, fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. Lord, you know, paint eternity on my eyes. Wake up every day. Lord, fill me afresh today that I might pour out on the world around me. Spirit in you, 
with you, in you, or upon you, pours out on those around us, and spiritual weakness, and, lethar- and lethar- you know, become lethargic, a lack of the ho- it comes from a lack of Holy Spirit. And again, we do not uh, fill ourselves, but allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. We don't do it, He does it. Can I get an amen to that? So if you walk in power, it's not because you did it, it's because you allow, you, Lord, please, could you fill me afresh? I need it. Amen? And alcohol and drunkenness are carnal, they're fleshly, they're ungodly. Let me just read a couple of verses, I'll move on. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Where did that come from, right? Where, oh, where did I hurt my... Who has redness of the eyes? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look in the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Watch the show Cops sometime. You got people seeing strange stuff and uttering, uttering stuff, and they're all drunk or on drugs, all of them. I have an open thing with my boys. I'll give you 20 bucks the next time we see a guy arrested on cops who's not on drugs or drunk. And guess what? I haven't paid anybody any money yet. <laughs> it's foolishness. We must not think... Only the state of falling down drunk qualifies as sin. Being impaired in any way by drink is sin, as well as drinking with the intention of becoming impaired or taking anything that we know will impair us. Guys, I want to think clearly and I want to be focused on the Lord and I don't want to dumb down so then I act in an ungodly way. I need some liquor so I can go out there and, you know, meet some women. Oh boy, those are two good choices back to back. Amen? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not drunk with wine. Let's finish up last few verses. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, it's a natural outflowing of being filled with the Holy Spirit, a heart to worship. Amen? Worship should not be something that you're forced to do. It should be a natural outflowing of your relationship with the Lord. I worship the most when I'm driving in my car by myself between appointments and I will crank my, I've had people say, I drove by you, Pastor Dave, and you didn't even notice me. And you, I'm worshiping Jesus, just get out of the way. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and the reality is, though, it just should be an overflowing of our hearts. By the way, if we love to worship, church starts at 10, just saying. <laughs> what God created us to do, what did God create us to do? To worship him. So when are you fulfilling God's perfect will for your life? When you're worshiping Him. It's one of the times. Can I get an amen to that? I want to encourage you. Let's be people of worship. Then he says, last two verses, giving thanks always for all the things of God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We just did this on Thursday, I pray. And you know what? We should always give thanks for every good and perfect gift comes from above. Amen? We should always be thankful. We can't thank God enough. And then the last verse says, this is a preparation for next week, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submission is a word that people don't like. We'll talk more about it next week. Talks about husbands submit to your wives. Wife, you know, talks about submitting to our bosses, children submitting to their parents. Next week's message will be called, it's titled, Bring Heaven Home. And we need to bring heaven home. Can I get an amen to that? We need to live in a godly way in our homes. And it all starts with submission. Does the world, the world we're living in right now, are they submitting to authority? 
They're rioting, saying they won't submit to authority. They're shaking their fists at authority. They're mocking police officers, that, police officers that we should pray for and stand beside. Can I get an amen to that? And look, there's imperfect police officers, but a vast majority of them, and there's still the authority God placed over us, and we ought to honor them. And the same with our military, and the same with the people in office. We need to pray for them. Can I get an amen? We're not, we submit to authority that God has placed. God is the one that places authorities where they are. And he will use them for his glory if we will let him. Amen? So, come out of the darkness. Walk as children of light. We were once in darkness. You're now the light of the world. Walk in wisdom. Our eyes are open. There should be a sense of urgency. Pursuing God's will, not our own. Not drunk with wine, but filled with the Holy Spirit. Having a heart of worship and a heart of submission to one another in the fear of God. Now we're going to go to our time of communion. And part of what it's talked about here is giving thanks always. We do this in remembrance of the Lord. It's an act of worship, which is what we were created for. But to me, it's also a heart of thankfulness for what Jesus did. Can I get an amen? So in a moment, the worship team's going to come on up. The table's over here. We'll figure something out for next week. We'll figure it out. Just everybody grab the elements. Go back to your seat. Okay, we can make it work, right? We're all family here. Amen? And then... Hold on to the elements. I want you to do the same three things I always ask you to do. Look back, remembering the cross of Calvary. Do it in remembrance of him. Look within. Make this a time to examine your own heart before the Lord. And look forward, because there's a day coming when we will have the Lord's Supper with him in heaven. Amen? Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. And now as we go to this time of communion, may it be done in an act of reverence and remembrance of the greatest act of love in all of human history. When the Son of God left heaven, came to earth, died on the cross in our place that we might have eternal life. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.